1: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash recommend today.
3: Dr. Michael Osterholm returns the show. Among his many responsibilities, he's the director of the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the U of M. He has been involved in so many significant health issues, decade after decade after decade, working with. Uh, in a bipartisan way, whether at the state level, federal level, and internationally. And he's been a great guest to this show. And Mike is back with us on the John Schuster Coldwall Banker Hotline. Always a pleasure, sir. Hope you are well. Thank you. Thank L- you. You too. Let me jump in with this one. The World Health Organization has quietly shelved the second phase of its much-anticipated scientific investigation into the origins of covid The outlet Nature has learned. What do you know about this? And more importantly, Mike, how important is it to you right now for us to know with complete certainty how COVID did start in China?
4: Well, first of all, this is not a surprise. Many of us uh, believe that this would be the ultimate outcome just because of the fact that uh, the Chinese are not going to open up and provide records that might address this issue, and even the possibility they don't even have the records. Um, You know, I'm not here to defend what happened or didn't happen in China, but let me just paint some realism to this. Imagine the following scenario. A new virus emerges in the Caribbean, a deadly virus, and surely that's possible it could happen. Where do you think we might likely pick it up first? Probably in Atlanta. Because that is the air transportation hub of the Caribbean is where the lab capacity exists that we'd find it. Well, you and I both know that if a virus first showed up in Atlanta, there would be an absolute conclusion made that it came from the CDC. And that, therefore, the Chinese and the Russians want us to open up all of CDC and any number of other facilities so that they could basically look, see whatever they wanted to do. We would never let the Chinese and Russians do that. And so'm I'm, I'm not defending the Chinese. I'm only saying I think the reality is we all along assumed that we were going to get some kind of a review or summary that would answer the question. And I've always doubted that that would likely be the case. The second thing is, I think again, just we can conclude, and this is an important conclusion. There are no data which support that this virus was a man-made virus. That has been part of the intrigue about the fact, you know what happened in China. Now, the question is, did this virus, which likely came from a bat, possibly through another secondary animal species in the Guangdong markets, uh, and could have happened like that and spread, or it could have been a virus that was captured in the bats or the animals brought to the lab, and then in a lab accident, somebody got infected, not knowing that they even had this virus or in the community, and that started the, the pandemic. Either one of those are possible scenarios. We'll just never know. But I think the message here, which is really, really important, is that this could happen again if, in fact, it were both either a man-made lab accident or it was an accidental release from an animal to a human. And we've got to be prepared for it, and we're not. You know, if anything, Chad, you and I have talked about this multiple times on this show. I think we're less prepared as a country, as a world, for the next pandemic than we were before we started this one.
3: I, I know you feel that way. That's why I brought this up at the start. So if China continues to act like China has, and, and I'm with you, I think most of us have been really skeptical of any transparency from China. How much more vulnerable does it make us? If, if let's say, this was Australia or another country, and they turned over all the information and allowed the, the team, the smartest people to come in, and okay. so we, we had a 100% conclusion. Would that put us in a notably better position for us to be in better shape for the next COVID-esque like illness that will strike across the globe?
4: You know, I wish I could say that, and you know, and and I surely could say it and make people feel good, but it wouldn't be true. Think about the following: another real-life experience. One of our neighbors, Mexico, two thousand nine H one N one a new strain of the flu virus emerged in a pig population in Mexico. And within days, it started to spread in people. Within one month, within one month of having discovered this in Mexico, it turns out it was in 142 countries around the world. Within a month. This is what some of us have been trying to say for a long time. Once a viral respiratory pathogen, a virus transmitted via air, easily transmitted, once that starts going it is like trying to stop a tsunami with a few sandbags. And so we can't stop it. What we can do is be better prepared to try to limit its impact, you know, to try to be able to save as many lives as possible, to keep society operating as well as it can, not to have an economic downturn, not to overrun our hospitals, etc. But we have to accept the fact that this is why these microbes are so dangerous, because we can't stop them. And we think we can. And Mexico was a good example. There was complete transparency in Mexico. Nobody hit anything. But it moved so fast that by the time we could even get there, I mean, it, you know, it's like a 10-story building. that instead of burning down in a couple hours, it burns down in 22 minutes. You know, it's going to be done before the fire company even gets there.
3: The, the state of COVID in Minnesota right now is? You know, it's in this kind
4: of steady state situation. You know, if you had asked me this a year ago, and I would say with all humility, I would have answered it probably wrong. If nothing else, I surely would have at least acknowledged that we are where we're at now. We are now going into our 12th month, one year, of having 420 to 520 deaths a day. And we're there today. We're at 465 deaths again today for the country. And it's just this, what I call high plains plateau of cases. We're not seeing these big mountain peaks, these big surges of Alpha and Delta and Omicron. But we're not seeing the low valleys either, you know, where it seems like we're over it. It just keeps hammering home and hammering home. And I can just tell you in the last three weeks, I've had more friends, colleagues, and and others I know here in Minnesota who have become infected. Now, the good news is, With the increased number of infections, though, we still are not seeing a high, high number of people becoming seriously ill and dying. But we see that relative level of that happening, just like I said with the national data. And again, just to put perspective to this, you know, 450 to 480 people a day are dying from COVID. How does that compare to anything? Well, it's a lot better than 3,500 people a day dying like we saw during these big peaks. Mm -hmm. But the number one cause of cancer deaths in this country every day is lung cancer, about 350 deaths a day. That's the number one cause of cancer in deaths. So here we are, we're 100 and some more deaths a day than that. You know, we're talking about 450 deaths a day, 3,000 plus deaths a a week. And so that's the challenge we have, is as much as we're all over the virus, and for many people who get infected, it will be an inconvenience. It'll be five or six days feeling like they've been hit by a truck, and they'll get better. And But some of those will get long COVID. And, again, we keep seeing this persistent number of people who continue to die.
3: Okay, speaking of dying, these texts are coming in, and there are people who will report on this every single day. We had an individual playing soccer the other day, 25 years old, playing, perished. I have no idea if that was tied to COVID. I know some people automatically, no no matter what, will say, yep, it's the vaccine, and young people continue to die because of the vaccine. Do you think in the next couple months we will see definitive data, not subjective in any way, that will show the amount of people who have died because of the vaccine to provide even more clarity to folks who think, no one is dying from it, others who think way too many people are dying. So we can try to advance this conversation from either I don't believe any of it or I believe all of it.
4: Well, you know, Chad, uh, this is one of those situations we don't need any more data. The data are very compelling already that the kind of illnesses we see associated with the vaccine uh, in terms of the myocarditis, basically are not causing deaths. They are causing some people to become mildly ill to moderately ill for a short period of time. That's true. But when we compare how many of those individuals actually are seriously ill or dying compared to what happens if you get the vaccine, it's not any comparison at all. You know, it's like that story. You know, one person who's trapped in a car because of their seatbelt in an accident, jams, and they can't get them out, and they die because of that, everybody says, oh, we got to stop using seatbelts. But then when you look at how many lives are saved because of seatbelts, you say, wow, we got to all be wearing our seatbelts. Well, the same is true with this vaccine, and the data are already there. It's, it's one of those issues where every sudden event that results in death or some kind of cardiac issue people are now saying is due to, to the COVID vaccine without any information. And that story gets repeated enough times, people start to believe it. And, you know, I, for example, one of my dear colleagues, Celine Gounder's husband, Grant Wall, you know, basically died acutely. It was very clear what he had, an aortic aneurysm, had nothing to do with the vaccine. You can't know the kind of emails and communications that Celine received afterwards about him and his death and COVID. Right. It was, it was, it was it made you so angry your blood would boil. Vicious. And so sure. that's, that's a reality of the world today. We can't change that. But I can tell you right now, ask me what I would recommend to my loved ones. Ask, ask me what I recommend to the people who matter most to me. Get the vaccine.
3: Last thing, sir. The yeah. uh, public health emergency for COVID from the federal government ends, unless there's a, a change, May 11th this year. Do you agree with that? And how will life change without it?
4: Well, you know, actually, uh, this is one of those things that uh, deserves an entire show. okay? because there actually are five different emergency declarations that were made in the pandemic in the United States, from what the FDA could do to authorize emergency use of vaccines and drugs to what uh, the PrEP Act, which is another issue. There's all these different things. So the one that is basically going to sunset uh, in May is the public health emergency, which the biggest issue that we had with that was that that under the public health emergency basically meant that you couldn't be kicked off the Medicare, Medicaid rolls. Okay. So, you know, they're supposed to be constantly going through making sure that people who once were eligible for that now may be making too much money to be eligible. And so they had to be removed. Well, you know, that's, surely is what people have been focused on. The ironic part about that there was actually in the ominous bill that was passed in December, they already disconnected that. They already made it so that you have to go back through and start looking for that. So even with that declaration, you know, ending, it won't have a material difference on who is or isn't on Medicare, Medicaid um, in the sense that it's already been taken care of in terms of other things about testing uh, vaccines, all of that. There are some potential implications for that, But by far the biggest implication is Congress has just not authorized any additional spending. So we're going to run out of subsidized vaccines, drugs, testing and so forth that has much more to do about is there going to be any additional authorization. So I don't have any challenges with the sunset of this one. I would be very concerned, for example, if the FDA sunset their emergency use authorization issues, that would mean that certain vaccines or drugs couldn't be available because they can't be used unless it's an emergency. So to me,
3: it's, 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 it's not an issue. Thank you, sir. Good stuff as always. Thank Enjoy you. the day. We'll talk Thank again. You.
4: Have a good one. Thank you. Bye-bye.
3: Dr. Michael Ostrom here, 22 past one on WCCO.
2: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
3: Some uh, sad news breaking. I believe you said TMZ the first to have it. It's the first I saw it. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. They had it first. Raquel Welch has passed away. Age of 82. Um, Huge part Of pop culture in the 60s and 70s, enormous part of it, in a lot of well-known movies with prominent stars, outspoken, and in all sincerity, as a public figure, I think one of the four or five most beautiful women I've ever seen in my life not not like I saw her in person but absolutely stunning i don't care if it's the 1490s or it's 2023 raquel welch a beautiful beautiful woman great interview when 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 you go back and look at and and the old talk shows yeah if she wanted to do the flirting thing too but if she wanted to get involved in in different topics for sure they're they're saying brief
5: illness, right? Yes. According to you, family members a brief illness and then passed away this morning.
3: TMZ reporting. So I'm looking here uh Bedazzled Bandolero Hundred Rifles Myra Breckenridge Hanny Calder made a number of uh variety shows. What's the uh what's the roller skating one? I don't know. She was in that, more of just from Wikipedia. She won Golden Globe Awards for Best Motion Picture Actress in a Musical Comedy in 74 for her performance, Three Musketeers. She was also nominated for a Golden Globe Award for a performance in the film Right to Die in 1987. In 95, she was chosen by Empire Magazine and the 100 Sexy Stars in Film History. Playboy ranked Welch number three on the 100 sexy sexy stars of the 20th century, without a doubt. It's a good spot to be on that list. Without, I take that a doubt. Um, the deerskin bikini. That is what? One million BC. One million years BC. Yep. Okay. <laughs> the post.
5: The poster that Andy Dufresne used. To, Cover up that hole in the walls. Yes. Escape from Shawshank.
3: Yes. Uh, Trust me, Andy was not the only one who had that up. What about the what's the Jim Brown flick? She was in. Is it what what I said? Just Google real quick. Raquel Welch. Jim Brown. Kansas City Bomber. Is the roller skating one. That she did. She was still in a lot of stuff in the 80s and 90s. Do you see the Jim Brown? I'm what seeing
5: 100 rifles.
3: 100 rifles. Okay, yep. She also had a successful one woman nightclub musical act in Vegas. Um, she. How about this one? Academy Awards before she announced the best actress winner. I hope this winner doesn't have a cause. This comment was a snide remark in reference to Marlon Brando's earlier decision to send an emissary to decline the best actor. Wow. <laughs> what a cheap shot that
5: was. A little bit. That's that's Ricky Gervais-type material.
3: Man! Ahead of her time. Political views. Here's a list for political views. Two things. That, and then during an O'Reilly factor appearance in 014, She described herself on the conservative side attributing to her mother's Midwestern value. Says pop culture. Uh, She helped transform Americans' feminine ideal to its current state. I think a lot of people believe that, right? That not like we didn't have very visible, gorgeous women just like gorgeous men also. But there was something more audacious, more confident, more here I am. By the way, I'm beautiful. I know it. I know you know it. And if that has to be a part of my persona, but that's not my only thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just look back at a lot of roles. She's just oozing with confidence. And, um, yeah, just stunning. Yeah, not afraid
5: to embrace and showcase that she's a sexual being i guess yeah
3: not to you know hide it as a woman should be right i think that i think that's really true that there was so much of that you know now with with so many platforms to show everybody's looks we didn't even think about that as a possibility mm-hmm. but she was like I got it mm-hmm. I know I'm great looking I know this may open the door for me at some places but Unless I can act, unless I can do it, you're not going to pay as much attention to me. <laughs> she could also, I think, stick her foot in the mouth with what. Um, I guess, you know, some people, if um, consider how political we are now, if somebody said that in an awards show, was viewed conservative, hey, I hope this isn't about a cause. My God, they'd be trying to get her on Newsmax and <laughs> One News Nation and Fox, you know. To just have the uh, have the awards, so Raquel Welch, I think. Listen, I'm w- too young for her heyday, but I don't. So in '72, when that Kansas City bomber thing came out, I'm seven. I have a vague memory of that I think my reaction probably would have been different if I was seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I distinctly remember watching that with my mother, who also was. Um, very audacious in in a lot of different ways in her opinions and thoughts and she's like, hey, she doesn't hide who she is as a person. Let's go, let's go, let's go watch this. So yeah, Raquel Welch at the age of eighty two passes away. I debated this, but we're still going to do it. A lot of people. Watch rom-coms last night, right? Isn't that kind of a tradition for a lot of people I Think so. on Valentine's night?
5: Absolutely. You watch a scary movie on Halloween. You right. watch Christmas movies at Christmas, a little rom-com on Valentine's.
3: Right. We're going to get into serious talk again uh, next hour. We obviously had plenty of serious talk earlier with Mike Osterholm and COVID. We're going to talk about schools and safeties in light of the felony charges uh, for the uh, stabbing. We talked about this 58-year-old individual who skipped out in his murder trial and is apparently headed for the metro area. So we've dealt with some serious stuff, too. What is your favorite? What is your go-to rom-com? So if you either were alone last night, wanted to watch a rom-com, you and your guy watched the rom-com, you and the the side piece watched the rom-com, whatever it might have been, what is, and if you want to give a couple, but what is the greatest rom-com out there? Because I think the list I'm going to cite nailed it. They nailed it on what is the best rom-com of all time. That's coming up. We're late. I need to stop talking.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today
3: All right, let's just get to the top ten list of greatest rom-coms of all time. Then I know you want to speculate on a few others, if they qualify and where they are. On number ten, forgetting Sarah Marshall. I saw it once. I thought it was very funny. It came up again recently because I saw Harrison Ford. I was Stephen Colbert because Harrison Ford is everywhere right now. Right? He's got the shrinking show. He's got the shrinking show. With Jason Siegel. He's got the Yellowstone prequel. He's got he's coming back, you know, in Raiders <laughs> part seventy-four. <laughs> Raiders of the Temple of Doom. Where they've youthed him up. <laughs> and then he talks about Jason Siegel, who's in shrinking with, properly probably enough. Right right there in Forgetting Sarah Marshall is the penis. It's right there. It's the Jason Siegel penis. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I don't think I loved it, but I enjoyed it. Good good show. It was better than I thought it would be. Jonah Hill, Mila Kunis, Russell
5: Brand, mm-hmm. all in it. And Russell Brand, I think as the ringer pointed out, before America became annoyed with him.
3: Yes. <laughs> Is he around at all? I haven't seen him in a long Manny time. Man, Spanish. Wedding singer. I liked it. Didn't love it. I think it's okay. Yeah, I, 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 that's it. Sandler. Overrated. My best friend's wedding. I really liked it. I have. It's been a long time. Really liked it. Uh, Rupert Everett steals it, but it's Julia, Mm -hmm. Cameron Diaz. It's, before Cameron is enormous, its peak Julia Roberts is when there was never a doubt on the planet then who was the biggest... Female movie star, yeah, she was the queen of rom coms. Oh that time. god, we're not just done with Pounder mouth. Sleepless in Seattle. I'm sorry, I did not like Sleepless in Seattle. Never seen it. I thought it was boring. I really did. I did. It, it just didn't do a lot for me. Notting Hill. Again, Julie Roberts. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great movie. Can't go wrong. I think it is a great movie where she's just playing herself, right? She's the biggest star on the planet. She wants freedom. And then Hugh Grant, guess who, who Hugh Grant's playing in this movie? The guy he played in every movie. <laughs> the good-looking, kind of dopey guy. Who, awkward, Brit. Awkward. But meanwhile, he's completely handsome and mm-hmm. probably in real life would have 500,000 women. You know, but oh, no. And then there's the great scene at the end where, with an all-time tune, they're, they're chasing her down at the press conference a great movie. Number five, Jerry Maguire. I really like Jerry Maguire. It's a good one. Yeah. I was reminded how much I like rom-coms when I looked at this list. You're fine with that? I'm okay with Jerry being top ten, sure. So here's one I've only seen parts of, and she just had an appearance. Clueless. I've seen parts of Clueless probably ten times, but I've never watched it all the way through saw it all the way through many years ago.
5: Eh, it didn't do a lot for yeah. me. Yeah. It wasn't, wasn't my wheelhouse,
3: but people love it. Here's another one that I don't think was that great. And it's the same duo. It's Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks. You got mail. Yeah. Eh. I think it was dull. I think Sleepless in Seattle and You've Got Mail are basically the same movie. Well, You Got Mail, they added AOL. So That's good.
4: <laughs> that's it.
3: Number two. You think Julia's on this list a little bit? Pretty Woman. I think if you would have guessed, had the audience guess, and you said the last twenty-five years best rom-com, I think people might have guessed Pretty Woman. I think That's it's number a, one. It's
5: certainly, as they say, on the Mount Rushmore, right? Yeah, it's an it's an absolute finalist.
3: Okay, this isn't peak. This is the this is the. Was Mystic Pizza ahead of this? I'm trying to remember.
5: Either way, it's part of the coming out party.
3: Yeah. And and Gears great as Gears playing himself. <laughs> exactly. I as mean, Richard Gear in a rom absolutely phenomenal. He's rich, wears suits great. Uh, how about Jason Alexander as the villain? Mm-hmm. Plays a good villain in it. Yes. Right? Yep. The uh, the biatches at the uh, store who are treating her horribly, and then she shows back up. And then number one, the greatest rom-com of all time, and I'm in complete agreement, I love this movie. I think it's as good now as ever, When Harry Met Sally. I watched this movie in Orlando, Florida, on a rainout. As opposed to solo calling another double A baseball game <laughs> on the heavy metal station. Going from Def Leppard to this twenty two year old calling double A ball. <laughs> With Ron Gardner as the manager. Oh yeah. Mark Guthrie was on that team, Paul Sorrento on that team. Uh twelve hour bus rides, fourteen hour bus rides. Hundred bucks a ball game, Dave. It was the big money back then. Wow. Hundred bucks you. a ball game. But I think Meg Ryan is so much better in this movie than she was in the other ones. Crystal is – is Crystal just playing Crystal also? Yeah. Right? Isn't, yeah. Don't we envision that's who Billy Crystal is? Yeah. Right? Yep. He's cracking lines like Billy Crystal. Mm-hmm. He's quirky. He's observational. hes He's got a bit of Larry in him, you know? Yes, that's true. Right? But then – You know, Carrie Fisher is so good. It is perfect for New York. It fits New York. It's got the, obviously the orgasm scene with Rob Reiner's mom stepping forward. Um, it has the fights. It has the, they finally have sex and now they completely, totally react to it differently. (laughs) And then it's New Year's Eve and showing up, and they get together. you got all those shots, of the couples, and it finishes them. I think it's a brilliant movie.
5: It's, again, I mean, if you're going to argue between that and Pretty Woman for which is number one,
3: go ahead, flip a coin, doesn't matter. Yeah. I definitely prefer this one, but I also get that Pretty Woman checks all the boxes. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, let's do this. I'll look at your text, and I want you to chime into. Rom-coms, since you watched a bunch last night, and then early next hour, security at schools. Again, nothing is going to solve everything. Nothing is going to be the perfect solution. But regarding officers and not just liaisons at schools, is it time to revisit the reaction from Derek Chauvin murdering George Floyd? That's early next hour on the rom-coms. Chime in. 651-461-9226. Now
5: with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way.
3: Rom-coms.
5: What do you want to say? I looked over the list, and I think there's some films that were not given the due respect they deserve. All right. Uh, Number one, I think it was about 48 on the list. Silver Linings Playbook with Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence. That is a phenomenal movie.
3: I mean, I told you, I'm an enormous fan of the movie, but is that a rom-com? I think they stretched the definition on a few. I don't think of that. I, I just think of that as... David O. Russell, I think, is the guy behind that. I think so, that. yeah. And then, I mean, De Niro, Cooper. Um, God, who's the other guy who's prominent in that movie? It's, I think it's an outstanding
5: movie. I think it's great. Um, they also put something about Mary on the list. Never thought of that as a rom-com. No. But, I mean, that's top five. If it's a rom-com, that's top five.
3: Just for out-and-out laughter and some lines that are just gross. <laughs> But at the time, if you separate, they're incredibly funny. Matt
5: Dillon has one of the funniest lines in the history of film in that movie <laughs> when he tells Mary. Yeah, no, no one no, says no, 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 no one I, says who I can and cannot work with. Yeah, yeah.
3: And the part before <laughs> yes is a word that I detest. Yep, on the planet, but his line. If, you you need it for
5: the for his line, yeah. um, and. Uh, I would put top five, too. I think it made it about 19 on the list. Princess Bride is just a
3: tremendous movie. I guess it has to be a rom-com, right? If That's kind of the the central theme to all of it. I haven't watched that in so long. That's such a great movie. All right, let's get to some of the text. My personal favorite rom-com is Mr. Right with Anna Kendrick and Sam Rockwell. I've not seen that. I love Sam Rockwell. I like Anna Kendrick. I don't remember this one at all. Definitely number one for us, when Harry met Sally, found a pretty woman, so-so. I have a tough time glamorizing Julie's occupation this one. She's a prostitute. To me, it's a movie. It's not glamorizing it in real life. It's a movie, and it's, it talks about how they come together transactionally and then fall in love. I, I think that's a part of it. Out last night with Rob Lowe, Demi Moore, and Jim Belushi. Let me just say this I hated that movie. Mm. Absolutely hated that movie. Uh, is it just go with it or just go for it? That's, just go with it, I believe. Go with it. That's Sandler, Aniston, Nicole Kidman, and uh, Brooklyn Decker. Yeah. Moonstruck. I find Cher annoying. <laughs> You're not I, the only one. I, I just find her annoying. I don't I don't doubt her talent. I don't doubt her singing. I don't doubt her beauty. I don't doubt her impact on uh, social issues. I'm sorry she annoys me. (laughs) I'm sorry. Officer and a Gentleman. Great movie. Sure. Right? Friday the 13th. Yeah. (laughs) That's another great one. Lindis Construction Time Check. It's time for you to get a hold of Lindis and take a look at Infinity from Marvin Windows.